Welcome to our podcast, Revival in Jesus' Way. Disciple making is Jesus' way to change the world. This is the one mission that his people should focus on. There is only one way, his way, to create lasting transformation. And God is calling his church to wake up. I'm your host, Tim Cahill. And I am Yin Yan Xu. We are at episode 5. There is no end goal in Christian life. We are listening to the series of church cliches. And again, the purpose of us to making this whole series is because we believe that there has been a whole network of lies, malicious lies, uh, put, put by, uh, by the devil to cripple God's church, to grab his own Great Commission vision, and to build up his kingdom. Now, there is no end goal in Christian life. How do we came to know this cliche? So um, not too long ago, when we had a meeting with a lay church leader, we set up a coffee shop and we tried to discuss about disciple making for the first time. And once we, once we sat down, our friend quickly pressed a disclaimer. He said, well, you know, even though we talk about disciple making, we will talk about disciple making today, but there is no specific goal, right? And we said, uh, what do you mean? And he, he said, you know, um, we know there is a kind of a kind of a mysterious X there. And uh, we know nobody can attain it. Nobody can reach. And so uh, I just want to make sure this first. And so we, we kind of like, I just want to make sure this so we can sit down and talk in a no pressure environment. So because everybody knows there is no goal. So we kind of just talk about how we can kind of improve the Christian life, right? That's what we are up to. So we were uh, a little bit surprised, but we think we today will make this episode because we think many people want to know, many people uh, are wondering, and this include, even includes some seeker friends who are considering Christianity. You know, what change Christianity can bring to the life? And uh, what, what God is up to. Can God really change the world? Can God really change people's heart? So basically, it's like all for new Christians, like after after conversion, uh, what is now for me? Um, what, you know, what, what's next? Is there any, any goal? Is there any uh, way? Mm, yeah, and one thing we wanted to talk about first is that there is, and the biblical view points to um, that the goal is to be like Jesus. Just to summarize it, that we are called into a relationship with Jesus and we're called to be formed into the image or into the the model of who Jesus is. So we're called to be like him in character and ministry and the way that we express God's glory in the world um, in the way that we act and treat others. And so we're meant to grow into being like Jesus. So wait a minute. Basically, you're saying... Bible says, or oh, Jesus called us to be like him uh, almost in every way, except for the way like God is the creator. I mean, but except for that, like to be like him, uh, not in sense of the power. I mean, we cannot be like him like that powerful, but it's in every way, like you mentioned uh, in ministry, mission, moral life, right? Did, did I understand right? We're called to be like Jesus in in every way. Um, like you said, there's uh, this idea 
of with theologians where they talk about incommunicable and communicable attributes that God has. So obviously we're not called to be like self-sustaining. We're not called to be um, eternal as far as like it always existed and in that way that God is. But we are called to take on those communicable attributes, to be like Jesus when he walked on the earth as a person, to be like him in character, to be like him in having God's heart for others, to be like him in in his kind of living out of that heart for others and his expression of love. Not just like to in bear how he image. Yeah, to bear to take on the image of Jesus onto yeah. ourselves. Yeah. Hmm, yeah. So uh, one way to kind of look at this and think about this topic, I think, is to think about some typical views that um, are out there about the Christian life and how they touch on this idea of the end goal. The first view that I, that I think about is this uh, sacramental view um, that has to do with sacraments are like physical representatives of kind of getting to know God, like communion, baptism. Things like that, even attending church, being there, and getting blessed by a pastor or a priest or something like that. This is a sacrament. And this sacramental view is that over time, we are made more and more holy by being in the presence of sacraments. And that there is this becoming more holy. And there's a kind of fuzzy, very fuzzy, I think, end goal of, of being more and more holy, more and more in general, like God, through taking on the the holiness from these sacraments onto ourselves. Explain the word uh, sacrament. Sacrament is more, it's, it's a physical representative. So if we can talk about like taking communion. So that's a physical thing that represents Jesus. And there's different views, obviously, about whether or not Jesus is actually there in the bread. Communion or, with Jesus, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it's it, you take it, you eat it, you physically do that, and and by doing that, you're kind of you're you're taking on somewhat of the blessing of who Jesus is, either through uh, mentally remembering and thinking about him, or also there's this physical kind of you're taking on the you're taking on some of the holiness from God. You're bringing that into your life in a very physical way. So it's it's in a way um, for even people from more of an evangelical background to think about it it's um, kind of like praying being in front of god and but it's like a physical way of doing that like you're eating something so instead of like what you would normally get out of like from being in god's presence praying and those things this is a physical way you're you're bringing that kind of holiness of god into your life it's kind of like a sacrament so we kind of gave this category of um, opinion a name. We, we actually didn't Google or didn't check this have the professional name, but I think this is more un- understandable. And also, uh, as you described, like it's not like it's just a sacramental church. Some uh, people in sacramental church hold this view. If any people believe that, Mm, kind of through mm. different sacramental activities mm. and then for the rest of your life so from the first day of your conversion for the rest of your life you will just uh, be more and more holy and um and th- there is a no go or at least the, the the goal is very fussy and no uh description uh but you you will you will get there mm. like like that so 
Yeah, and yeah. so one good point about this is there's a calling in the Old Testament several times and in the New Testament to be holy, where God says, be holy for I am holy, or be holy for the Lord your God is holy. And so we are called to be more and more holy. And so that's a kind of positive part of this view. It, it's catching some of that and incorporating that into it, but it kind of stays there. Um, the next view is like more of a commonly seen in fundamental or evangelical circles. Um, and there's a extreme of it. And the extreme of it is there's a beginning, but there's no kind of end goal and no process or, or those things. So there's a definite, you know, Romans 10, 9 and 10, you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. And so there's a moment, there's a prayer to be said. There's a coming into the relationship with Jesus. Um, there's a being saved from your sins, being saved from the wrath of God that happens at a distinct moment. But then after that, there's not really an end. It's very just fuzziness, just fuzziness. And maybe somewhat of the sacramental goal is thought of there, but it's not really um, communicated. There's just kind of going to church and being around other Christians and those things, and that's it. Um, a little bit more, a view that's been taken on by, I think people are a little more serious about kind of honoring God and, and those things, is this kind of foundation view where there is a specific foundation that needs to be set. There's a um, There are specific things that need to be laid as a foundation. And this kind of changes from group to group, but there's a lot of like campus organizations that will go by this and you need to lay a foundation. And there's very specific things that go into that foundation. Usually things kind of found in the Apostles' Creed or found in um, the, the common creeds of the church. You know, you need to learn about those things. Seminary kind of follows this basic outline that there's this foundation that's needed for Christians. But then after the foundation, once you're done with that foundation, once you've believed and you're done with the foundation, then again, very fuzzy. There's no end goal in sight. There's nothing that you're really attaining towards once you have that foundation in place and everything. People are, feel pretty comfortable about your state. So what you mean is the, uh, the, the foundation has a whole uh, spectrum of uh, maybe some practice is just the, the very beginning, the very first day after kind of your initial conversion, and then you just need to attend church and the kind of the church uh, community will take care, and from time to time, some school, whatever is good. Mm. And then for some, uh, some church, maybe, for example, a new Christian lesson, two months, and then for, for someone, it's like uh, training this, maybe even uh, several years, or a mission school by church or one year. Mm -hmm. uh, we see all those forms, and like seminary, uh, you know, it's many years, and even before seminary, you, you, you were kind of trained quite a lot. So it's a whole spectrum. Mm -hmm. But they all kind of stop at a point, like, oh, wow, now it's like, whatever. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, after right? this point, um, and we said uh, a cliche within this cliche is uh, the one that says like, oh, God works in mysterious ways and kind of that God is working mysteriously in your growth. There's gr Usually they'll use the word growth, um, but there's growth in mysterious ways that's happening. Now, th this is good because there are foundational principles. Um, a verse that came to mind was uh, Hebrews where he says, um, you need to relearn the basic oracles of God. So like there is this idea, there's these 
basic things that need to be founded and you every Christian should have every Christian should know about and kind of master knowing so like that's good and there is a definite point in scripture like we said Romans 10 9 and 10 where you come into this relationship with Jesus so those are some kind of good points I think that this view covers although I don't think it goes all the way into what scripture really calls as far as what is the end goal of being a Christian um, a third one that I wanted to mention is more of what I call like the liberal view. And um, this view is more an educational view. It's kind of like you, you see it in a lot of American schools and things like that on poster boards. You know, be the best person you can be would be like a summary statement of this. And you should, you know, it's like ethical education somewhat, but being getting to know what other people are like, getting to know other cultures, getting to know how to treat people well by by knowing different people and having this building up your your tolerance for different types of people and things like that and the in this view a lot of times Jesus is seen as a great example you know Jesus is a great example to kind of look to to how you can be good and inclusive and things like that in a lot of ways but the main method is your you're kind of learning to get there through different things that have been discovered through science and in the world. Then that's just like a Chinese public school. Mm-hmm. Because um, in your, uh, basically your uh, either political class or your Chinese class, uh, you would always have some articles of some uh, heroes, some uh, your uh, national he- heroes or the party heroes to you need to imitate their life. Mm. to be a better person exactly and that's i think a lot of modern education is kind of founded on a lot of those principles of this kind of more liberal christian view Um, and it's actually gone out into different countries and things like that through this kind of liberal growth um, view and i think what's good about this one is it sets jesus as an example it makes him a realistic example where i think some of the other views sometimes kind of have a hard time putting him in as a real example because of almost this high just deity kind of view of Jesus that keeps him from being accessible. So in some ways, this view has a goodness to it that it makes Jesus as an example. Um, But I think, it again, there's a lot of ways that it misses the mark and incorporating scripture and really calling us to um, the things that Jesus' heart was really for. Yeah, that's what we hear doing, like when we miss the mark, it's like um, we don't want to say like, oh, wow, this point of view is just so ridiculous, like 100% wrong. It's like which part is biblical, which part is not. Each view is like that. So far, uh, I think something something they share is like no matter what, at some certain point, a mystery takes over. Mm, that's right. And then it's also that the end goal is not articulated. There really isn't an end goal for a lot of these. Like, be the best person you can be is very vague, even for the liberal view, where whether you reach it or not is very up to interpretation. You know, there's no real saying if you have have gotten there, how far towards that that you've gotten. Um, so I want to talk now about what, what our view is and some of the, the verses that kind of go behind that that there is a specific goal and we're called to be like Christ. Um, so what Peter said in 1 Peter 2.21 is, 
For this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps, to follow in Jesus' footsteps. John said in 1 John 2.6, Whoever says he abides in him, that's Jesus, ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. And we know we don't just, it, John didn't just mean his walking pattern, that we ought to um, use the, the, have the same way of physically stepping as he did, but that we ought to live in a similar way that Jesus lived, that in the way, in the, the way that he, things he was interested in and the things that captured his heart and his character and his way of living, we ought to walk in that way. We ought to live in that way. And we're using the ESV uh, Bible version. Mm. Um, I like the word uh, in First First Peter two twenty one. Mm. Uh, it says to follow in His steps. Mm. So so think about uh, like for even for for a kid learn to walk. It's mm. like you have a full step to follow. Like hey, I walk this step, you walk this step, and you, walk this. you know, mm. it's kind of like yeah. something very tangible. Mm-hmm. It's not like, hey, you go to, it's like you, you talk to a 10 year old, like, hey, you go to open a company, mm-hmm. go to choose a stock to buy. Mm-hmm. It's like, like what? You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's like there is a step you can follow. It's not a, like a, a evasive thing. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, it's not, it's not vague. Yeah, there's specific steps. And again, I think this points back to, to what we've talked about a few times with Matthew 28, 19 and 20, the Great Commission where Jesus says to teach the people that you're discipling all that I have commanded you. There's these specific commandments that come out of Jesus' character, out of God's character, and then describe how to live that out. And those are the steps. You know, those are different specific points. You know, you could number them one, two, three, four, five, you know, in a list. And that's a step, you know, each one is a step that we're meant to take on and incorporate into our life. So, yeah, so yeah. We, we kind of touched the process a little bit. Actually, next episode, we will talk about like mm-hmm. uh, there is no process or, or there is no progress that can be uh, measured. Uh, the reason we unavoidably we mention that is because kind of it, it cannot be uh, uh, separate. Like you, you have a goal and the goal is practical. You have to have a way to, uh, you know, to, to get there. Mm-hmm. So, so the goal, I think, to I mean, the scripture to illustrate the goal clearly is some something like Matthew five forty eight. Like you, therefore, must be perfect. Mm-hmm. Well, some version it says holy. You, therefore, must be holy as mm-hmm. your heavenly Father is holy. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So I mean, it's, you see Peter saying it, John saying it, uh, Paul, Second Corinthians three eighteen, and we all with an unveiled face. Beholding the glory of the Lord, being transformed into the same image, from one degree of glory to another. And mm-hmm. so I also like that, because again, you see all, actually the the New Testament authors, there's this pattern of kind of one step at a time, guys, you know, what here, one glory to another glory. So that, you know, these are men here who have experienced walking with God and becoming more and more like Jesus. And then they say, from one glory to another glory, from one step to another step, you know, that focus on this step and then move on to that step. You know, again, talking about the process a little bit, what we see in common with all the biblical authors is this goal of walking in the way, being in the image of Jesus, being like God, taking on God's character ourselves. I want to talk a little bit about the way that God 
meant for us to do that is actually he sent his son to become flesh. You know, he sent his son into the world to become a flesh and blood person. You know, and John 1, 14 says, and the word became flesh. So there was that, it had to be personal so that we, we can't walk and fall after um, a lot of times just like a guidebook or something like that. We need a person, especially for something this in depth, to become like God. We need a person who displays that. And then a, a verse that always really shocked me at one point was that Paul calls us at, at least two or three different times and throughout his different letters that say, be imitators of me. Hmm. You know, Philippians 3.17, 1 Corinthians 11, 1 and 2. He tells us to imitate him as he's imitating Christ because we're meant to have an, a personal example. So in some ways, the end goal, well, the end goal is definitely be like Jesus. But one way we can look at the goal is to see those Christians who are more mature than us and say, how can I get there? You know, what, how do I begin to develop towards there? And we talk to those people about how they got there. As they get to the next level. Mm, as they, yeah, as they're growing too, to become more and more like Christ. Like Paul said, be imitators of me as I am imitating Jesus. Mm-hmm. That he was working towards being like Jesus, but he had gotten further on that walk and we were meant to walk with him. Now I want to ask, so is there any anybody ask you, like, okay, you just suddenly have those spurs in your mind, or uh, like how, how did you find those verses? How come I didn't see those verses? Like like when you quote them, it, it seems quite right, but then how, you know, what? how, how do you study your Bible? Mm, that's really good. Yeah, so I think we, we need to have a comprehensive view, and this is part of, I think, the discipleship process, but really looking at Scripture as a whole and regularly being in it. So... I think one thing that has really helped me was early in my Christian life was establishing a time to be in in the Word on a regular basis, on a daily basis, and then going scripture by scripture and making my way through the Bible again and again so that I was allowed myself to be challenged by every part and not just the parts that I, not just kind of reading the verses that I like, but allowing all the verses. Because uh, one thing one of our favorite preachers likes to talk about um, who, oh, use scissors to read your Bible. Yeah, as a lot of people do that. You use scissors or mental scissors in a way. Because I remember even when I was reading the Bible regularly, I would read and then certain topics I might skip over or I might read more quickly because I don't really didn't understand them. I didn't like that truth. But then actually, if you're reading every day and you're forcing yourself to read through the all of Scripture, you have to wrestle with those verses. So really having some kind of pattern in your life where you're wrestling with all of Scripture, even the ones that you don't necessarily want to take into your life right now, um, I think is really helpful. Yeah, and for me, it's after one or two years of those um, uh, basic Bible reading. So so probably like really for for a year, you can read the New Testament twice, um, probably an Old Testament one time, uh, something like that. It, it, it's okay. Different different person has different speed that's okay mm. uh, but after one or two years uh, I can more have those attitudes of uh, finding some answer so so I still uh, kind of have my not kind of I have my Bible reading mm. plan uh, but then I add on something for example I really want to know what God is thinking 
about disciple making. So from the whole Bible, as long as some verses uh, has something to do with disciple making, even though it doesn't have that word, I I will highlight it. And so when I when I go back to review my uh, like quiet time journal, I can see uh, after I finish, especially the Bible one time, I can see each book how they talk about that. So、mm-hmm. that's something kind of an add-on. So like this theory, it's not like we just begin to study this. Today and then we share what what we learn,、um, because even you go even you Google or use some、uh, Bible software, it's difficult. Like like when you put in some word, there wouldn't be like all the verses related to this topic、uh, jump out because sometimes they don't use this word, but they talk about this. So、um, to me, it's a it's an interesting process. That you know this a little bit more, a little bit more. I remember several different topics like maybe、uh, courage, faith,、uh, grace, and those different words.、Uh, just kind of on the side, on on my quiet time, like I I do this whenever I I see this, and I think this is also more convincing be- because you are not just like oh today I see this verses about this. Well, this is the whole truth about this topic, and oftentimes it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, because Bible uses different books and to introduce this topic in a very complete way.、Mm-hmm. So、uh, the reason we mention this today is because we really desire for all Christians to study Bible on your own, read Bible on your own,、mm-hmm. um, and we don't even hope our podcast or or whatever sermon to get in the way that you just read,、uh, you just listen to those sermon, or you just、um, how do I say like、uh, read some. A、devotional book and it get、uh, get in the way that you wrestle directly with God's word on your own、mm-hmm. uh, on a regular basis.、Mm-hmm. No, that's right. So we want people to be able to、um, listen to these mainly to kind of break down and hopefully get you to question about whether or not this cliche about whether or not there's an end goal. Is that really true?、Um, and if you've heard it and you've thought about it, or just that's been in the back of your mind, is that really true? And then really looking into the scriptures and letting them say, letting God say, whether or not that He has an end goal in the mind for you, for Christians in general.、Um, one thing that I think、uh, we want to talk about here is、um, there's a, I think a main point of why this、uh, cliche is so strong is. Um, there's this kind of view of this idea of like false humility that exists nowadays,、um, where we want to hold God up very high and see man is very low, and we we want to say that God is doing it all, and and that we're we're just lowly people and we're not、um, doing it. We we don't want to see ourselves as higher than anyone else.、Um, so I think that. Is a big part that goes into this so you idea. Think the first big reason for people have the view of there is no end goal in Christian living、mm. is、uh, false humility.、Mm. Um, can you can you give me an example? Yeah, so I think an example would be, oh, like I'm not good. Oh, I'm not. You know, I'm not so. I'm not so great. Like I've I've known people who have kind of talked in that way, and and a lot of times it ended up being like kind of an excuse for not doing the right thing. Like, oh, I know I do that. I have an anger problem. That's just me. I'm just lonely. Thank God for His grace. 
and those things, and it's kind of like it's uh, out. And you even hear like church leaders say that, oh, even after I um being a Christian for thirty years, uh, I'm still as a big sinner as I began. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of I, uh, to summarize, I felt like it's kind of to brag how bad I am. Mm, yeah, it can have that, and it can also just I think when we haven't really looked at the scriptures in this area, or we we this kind of there's a natural tendency as evangelicals or as Christians to want to hold God up and and let Him be very high. And it seems like if we say that He's doing, if we say we're doing any work, then we're taking away from the work that God is doing. I know I fell into that for a while. And really had a hard time, yeah, thinking about thinking of my own growth process because I was like, oh well, God is very good, and I'm just, you know, I, I mainly want when I pray, like you know, repent and those things, and and pray for forgiveness. But I think the verse, one verse that is a really good one to think about here is Romans twelve three, and Paul says, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather Think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to you. And so I think the idea there that Paul presents is a very good balance of true humility, where instead of having this view of just seeing yourself as low, see yourself as low, that's not real humility. But humility is seeing yourself honestly. Take a real stock of the way that you've grown. How are you doing in the area of the word? You know, how, how, how is your intake of the word on a regular basis? You know, how have you grown in being able to pray to God? How have you grown in being able to share your faith and, and being able to relate to other Christians and in people in general? How has your character grown? Taking an honest stock of that and honestly repenting for the areas that you're still not like Jesus, but then saying, Hey, I have grown. And how do I continue on in this growth process? That's real humility is having that honest, Fully honest look of ourselves. So basically, you're saying this verse is uh, is saying God's grace is giving to Him, giving to us, so that we can be honest mm-hmm. about ourselves in this in this uh, progress in this way, so we can think clearly about what we do next. How do we go to reach the goal? Mm, that's right. And also, according to the standard of. Um, the, the definition of the false humility we just described, actually, Jesus can be considered to be a very prideful person mm-hmm. because he never say like, oh, I'm just as weak as you are. Well, actually, I, I'm kind of the son of God, but may, I'm, maybe I'm also not because, you know, mm-hmm. that's a very high title to claim. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about this, I, I like to use the logical way to, to wrestle, like think it from the opposite way to test whether your thought is is truth or not you know mm-hmm. uh what is the second reason for people to to have um those uh this cliche mm, i think another reason is there's this kind of view that anything practical doesn't have to do with love that love is this very kind of lofty mysterious thing you know like it's this feeling it's this heartfelt thing and if you're talking about specific how do you get there? You're talking about steps. You're talking about um, details. You're you're making lists and things like that. You're not being loving. 
So like the main call is to love, you know, the great commandment and then the second commandment are both have to do with, you know, love God and love people. So why are you talking? Why are you making lists? Why are you drawing stuff out? Isn't that works? Not love. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big one that people feel like this. It's not and this loving. This can almost um, make a whole episode. Yeah, that's this like is, a whole. This is a big area to <laughs> uh, to knock down. A whole another cliche, but then it's. I think that what we would say quickly is just the like um, from John, what thirteen, thirty four, and thirty five. Jesus says to love as I have loved you, and what we see with Jesus is being very detailed. Jesus. Hold, held his disciples to a real standard. You can see it by the way he talked to them and by how he went step by step. You know, he he talked to them and taught them things. He showed them how to do it, and then he would send them out. And he had a very good, he had a process for how he dealt mm-hmm. with people. But it was a loving process because he wanted people to know God. And he knew that you don't know God unless you do go through these steps. It doesn't just, it's not just something that happens. And so, like, when, you know, in a love relationship, like, me and Anne have, you know, in a marriage, you, um, you oh, can't. I'm about that, too. Yeah, you can't just show <laughs> love, you know, and you can't just say, oh, I'm going to be loving. And then you sit, like, in your corner and you kind of mm, try to fill out, you know, a strong, loving feeling for the other person. And even you can't just do the things that come to your mind that seem loving. You need to examine that person. You need to kind of write out what, what is, what are they like? What what sort of things do they like? You know, if someone is more um, oriented in one way, maybe they're, you know, doing the dishes, thinking of loving dates and things like that. Those things are part of love. And if those things don't happen, then that person wouldn't feel loved. That person wouldn't be loved. You wouldn't be showing love unless you're actually being the right level of detail. And at that time, when I consult our pastor's wife on whether I, I should start a dating relationship with him, actually, she asked um, the question is, by being friend with him, do you think you um, get to know God more? Do you think you enter mm-hmm. into a deeper relationship with Christ or not? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not the only test, but that's the primary first test. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Mm-hmm. Go back, go back. So I, I think uh, another big reason I think is uh, just on on the face when people hear about the Jesus go for for Christians, uh, it's like it's a too high standard. I think that that's why people run to different other kind of uh, half view, half, half truths to kind of to run away that people like lose their faith or their trust in. God is able. God, God is able to accomplish His own salvation uh, with our submission. I mean, so I think high, high standard is one of the reasons that. Mm-hmm. And finally, I want to encourage our listeners because this is not a hard truth. This is a truth supposed to bring joy to you, bring fulfillment to you. So in life coaching. Uh, we always say a good goal should be a smart goal. So smart stands for uh, specific, uh, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. Just imagine that how big a pressure if someone who try to lose weight and then uh, people around them just say like, hey, you know, you're too fat, you should lose some weight. So that's a very blurry 
go, it put tremendous pressure to people. And God understands human better than us. He, Jesus is the greatest teacher. Even our human teacher, we know that the goal should be specific. The goal should be durable and time-bound and um, attainable, you know, uh, and realistic, of course. And God knows that better, right? And I remember in the parable of talents uh, in Matthew 25, 14 to 30. You can go back to refer to that in your Bible. It's too long. But in that story, God called, I mean, the master called the first two servants, good and faithful servants, because they use what God have given them fully, and they, they doubled what God gave to them. The point I want to make is about the last servant, the third servant. Before, when I, when I, read, um, when, when I read this Bible parable, I, I just felt like, what is so evil about him? I mean, at least he didn't steal that money. He um, he buried it and he returned it. I mean, you know, uh, people can be worse, right? So, but when I goes on, I realize that uh, what makes him so evil is his heart. So first, the biggest thing is he, in his mind, he created an evil image of a master with either unrealistic goal or intention or uh, or uh, the all the master is just mean or the master is crazy. So uh, I think that's the main part. And then the other part is kind of he, he choose, he willfully choose to waste his master's property, his master's gift, um, because he, if he already decided that he, he wouldn't accept the command that uh, go to do business and make more money and make good use of my property, then he could have refused in the first place. He could have re- refused his master's gift, right? And he fully know his master's intention and, and he should know his master is good and realistic. So here I want to say that God is not a unrealistic or mean or crazy boss. So let me explain this. Unrealistic. It's, it's kind of means like, like the, the boss is silly. He doesn't know this is not realistic. He wants people to, um, reach that goal, but he, but he doesn't know this is actually it cannot be done. So, you know, that's like the boss is kind of not very smart. And mean, I think it means like, um, I know it's unrealistic. I, force you to reach that goal and then I'm waiting for you to fail and then I will punish you. There is punishment waiting for you. So, you know, that's me. Mm. And uh, crazy, like what? Um, crazy is like uh, he uh, he either doesn't, he either doesn't know this is uh, uh, not realistic or he, well, I goal at all like the goal is just uh it's it's an insane goal it's not doesn't make any sense yeah so but anyway god is not a unrealistic and mean or mean or crazy boss you guys all know it's the opposite so i think uh we, we we try to encourage you to think about it all biblical truths 
aim to bring the real salvation, the real joy, the real restoration to you as an individual, to community and the humankind. So think about that, and、mm-hmm. uh, and then、uh, we hope you if if you enjoy our content today, we encourage you to share. Maybe someone else、uh, really needs to hear this to、um, answer the the questions in their heart、um, for a long time,、mm-hmm. and to、uh, subscribe it so you can、uh, receive our update. We、uh, we make a commitment to update every Saturday.、Mm-hmm. Um, So, what、well, unless we're sick? So, but we 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 uh we try to do that. And our next episode would kind kind of be a twin episode, a a twin um cliche with this one because this one is about to go. So next one it would be like there is no clear process. So we will illustrate that more. We know we touched this a little bit in this episode. Let's have a short prayer.、Mm. Uh, dear Heavenly Father. We just pray that today your truth and your words go out, and they will not retain in vain. That they will go to reach reach the people you want to reach, and to fulfill your great purpose.、Mm. And we just thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.